God wants you to flourish. This many of you have been sowing into your heart, your lives, your family. Sometimes you can sow for a while and you don't feel like there's any harvest. But if you plant an acorn tree, it may take 10 years before there's a harvest. You plant a tomato, it only takes three months. So different seeds uh, require different gestation periods before there's an actual harvest. But I believe 2015 is going to be a year for you to flourish in your homes, your families, your business, whatever it is that you put your hand to, that it would prosper. So we spent some weeks... Uh, uh, talking about the conditions to flourish. Because how many of y'all know flourishing is conditional? Some plants flourish, some don't. That's just the way it is. You've got to fertilize them, you've got to water them, got to get them in the right atmosphere, and they'll flourish. At the same plant, two different atmospheres, you'll get different results. So flourishing is conditional. So we spent some Sundays looking at the conditions, and some Sundays just uh, opening your mind to the fact that God's not mad at you. He's happy, He loves you, and He wants you to flourish. And He'll teach you what those conditions are. How many of y'all, y'all glad He's not hiding, seeking up there? He's not, no, He tells us he says listen this works so uh, i'm here to just reiterate the fact that this stuff works so i want to look at this morning i want to talk to you about getting in god's presence getting in god's presence and i want to start off just by telling you uh, that you are a priest yes now listen, it's going to take, y'all just have to work with me here for a minute because whenever I say the word priest, there's things that automatically pop into your head, right? A guy, black uh, outfit with a white collar. So whenever I say that, you know, hey Christian, you're a priest, he thinks I don't have that outfit in my closet, right? I don't wear that. I don't pick that up from the cleaners, right? If I tell Brandon, I say, Brandon, you're a priest. He says, well, that doesn't, I don't, I don't think so, right? I'm not Episcopalian. I got married in Episcopalian church by Father Jack. Awesome. Loved him. Still do. Heard him preach, minister, wonderful person. But, but uh, I want you to know that every person in here under the sound of my voice, according to the scriptures, is a priest. And you don't have to go to seminary and you don't have to be ordained. Uh, Jesus Christ ordained you. The high priest ordained you a priest. And I'll prove it to you, and we're going to look at here. We're going to start in, in Exodus chapter 19 because uh, we're familiar with this passage of Scripture here in that uh, the children of Israel were in bondage. They were enslaved uh, to Egypt. How many of y'all remember what it was like when you were in bondage? Come on, it wasn't to Egypt, but maybe it was to some addiction or some anger or some pride. Whatever it was, all of us have been redeemed from some type of destruction. If you weren't, then you're lying. Or you just don't know it. But at least you could say that you have been redeemed from hell. I mean, I'm going to heaven. Come on, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Then at least you know that you're redeemed from hell itself. But all of us have been redeemed from bondage. And the nation of Israel was enslaved to Egypt. God sent Moses. He says, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. How many of y'all know this story? Moses goes tell Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh lets a million people leave and walk out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. And now they're in the wilderness on the way to where? The promised land, baby. Going to the promised land, a million strong, headed to the promised land. Moses is their leader. God talks to Moses and God tells Moses this passage of scripture, this verse that I'm about to read you right here. Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. If you got it, say, oh yeah. 
Now, therefore, this is Moses. Uh, God tells Moses, he says, Moses, tell the people these words. These are my words. So these are not Moses' words. These are God's words. He says, now, therefore, all of you people, if you will indeed, if you will obey my voice, if you will keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. I mean, I know you're a special treasure to God, even if you don't feel like it. He says, you'll be a special treasure to me above all people for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of what? Priest and a holy nation. So God tells Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to go out and I want you to tell this million people that's standing in the desert that my dream for them is to be a whole kingdom of priests not one priest not 10 priests not a hundred thousand priests i want a million strong of priests a kingdom a whole kingdom a nation of priests so that when every other kingdom that's surrounding my people look into the nation of israel they see a whole group of people that know how to get into my presence that know how to follow my presence that know how to receive from my presence that understand my presence i don't want a few people that know how to do that i want a million people that know that my presence is real that i'll lead them i'll guide them i'll fight for them i'll protect them and i want them to show the whole world my presence so he wanted all of me and he says listen and i don't just want a million i want these guys to have babies i say amen to that I want moms and dads to turn one million into two million, two million into four million. And I want dads to stand up and say, I am a priest. I know how to get in God's presence. And now I'm going to teach you, Junior, that God's presence is in you, for you, and, and he'll fight for you. He'll love you. He'll protect you. I'm only three. I know. But the presence of God is in our camp. The whole nation, we are a nation of people that know how to get in God's presence. Because that's all a priest is. A priest is just somebody that knows how to get in God's presence. I mean, I know sometimes we think of a priest as something, something else. No, if you, if you read the scriptures, a priest is just somebody that knows how to get in God's presence. And I mean like really get in his presence. Because you can be, I mean, I know God's everywhere. I mean, I know we're all in his presence right now. I went and saw my wife, she graduated from LSU. And George Herbert Walker, the whatever, Bush, gave the commencement address and uh, he was way down there, and he's about this big, but I was in his presence. Ah, uh, yes, I've seen the president, and I think he looked at me twice. I just feel like he honed in and thought, you could be my vice president. And I was like, no, no, I'm busy. But I felt like he wanted me. I felt like I was like, man, we made a connection here, all these people. I mean, y'all know we didn't make a connection. There's no connection. I was in his presence, but I really wasn't in his presence. But a priest is somebody that recognizes in their home there's a presence, and they can welcome God into that home. That as a husband, as a dad, as a father, as a wife, a spouse, uh, uh, or a mother, your job as parents is to create that place where God's presence is. You're the priest of that home. So I want you to know that, that you are, uh, that, that God's original design was for us to be a whole nation of priests. Now, how many of y'all think it stayed that way? 
No, it didn't stay that way. You want to know why? Well, let's just look because it didn't take but about a, a dozen chapters. About a dozen chapters, God went from wanting every person to be able to get into his presence. That, that God is again talking to Moses up on the mountain. And God, this is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Anybody remember that story? God gets out his sharpie and he starts writing on the rocks, right? He says, first, first commandment, thou shalt not have any other God before me. Don't steal, don't kill, lest it's your mother-in-law. Just kidding, ha, huh? Uh don't you think Moses and God had a good sense of humor? They're up there. They're getting the Ten Commandments. All this stuff's happening. And it's not just as soon as the Ten Commandments have all been written down. God tells Moses, he says, you're going to have to get down there because the people that I brought out of bondage, they have already turned from me. So Moses comes down the mountain. He gets halfway down the mountain. And he sees a million strong who had just been told, you're going to be a nation of priests. They've gotten all of their jewels and they they made a big golden cow anybody remember this story and they're all worshiping and burning sacrifices they're worshiping this golden cow and Moses he says what are y'all doing I've been up there getting instructions from God about how we're supposed to be priests for him and I come down the mountain and y'all are made y'all have made this golden cow and they told him they said you took too long if you read it, that's what they tell me. They said, God took too long, you took too long, so we decided to go back and do what we learned in Egypt, and they're all worshiping this golden cow. So Moses takes the Ten Commandments, he throws them down, breaks them into pieces, and he's mad. And he makes a proclamation. He says, any person here who will not sell out, any person here who will keep God first place and not second place, if there's any person here like that, come to me and all of a sudden the tribe of these people called the levites work with me just wait here the the levites they distance themselves there's over a hundred thousand of them they come up to moses and they say we won't worship the golden cow we'll keep god first place in our heart our lives our homes and god tells them uh, you can put up uh, chapter 32 verse 26 he says get out your sword go through the camp and any person that's worshiping this golden cow, kill them. It's kind of vicious, isn't it? So the Levites went through the camp and they killed any person that was worshiping the golden cow. Well, what's all, what's all this mean? Well, after that, God said the only person that can be a priest on this planet is a Levite. God's original design was for you and I and every one of his children to be one of his priests. But because of what they did, now no longer is everyone allowed to be a priest. Only this one tribe is allowed to be a priest. And that's the Levites. And in order for a Levite to get in God's presence, they had to take a cow or a bull or a goat or a dove. They had to kill that animal. They had to take that animal's blood and the Levite would go into where God's presence was and they would pour out the innocent blood of that animal. The Levite's the only one that's able to do this. He takes the blood of that animal and whenever God looks down, he doesn't see the sin of the people or the fact that they wanted to worship this golden cow. He sees the innocent blood of that animal and then he forgives them to temporarily of their sins levites became the only tribe that can do that now here we are 
Because what do you think Jesus was? Anybody want to guess? He was a Levite. That's exactly right. And Jesus was the last Levite. And Jesus took his own blood hundreds of years later. Jesus took on the role of a high priest. But this time he didn't take the blood of an animal or a goat or a cow. The Bible says neither with the blood of goats and calves. But with my own precious blood. I as a high priest. I entered into the holy of holies. And I obtained eternal redemption for you. And eternal redemption for me. That's why you and I nobody showed up with goats today. I mean I'm glad about that. Nobody showed up with bulls. There's no cows parked out there waiting to get slaughtered. No, no more do we have to do that. Why don't we have to do that? Because there was one high priest, a Levite, that was allowed to do that. He did it once and for all. And by doing that, he now returned us back to that place of we're all supposed to be priests. If you look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. How many of y'all still tracking with me? Everybody say, I am a priest. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I am a priest. How would I get that way? Well, see right here, this is 1 Peter. How many of y'all know Peter and Jesus hung out a little bit? Yeah, they hung out pretty tight. Pretty tight. Peter walking on water, good stuff like that. The guy comes, tries to arrest Jesus. Peter tries to lop his head off and misses, gets his ear. Man, they're, they're real tight here. Well, this is what Peter has to say. He says, you are. Everybody say, I am. He's talking to you. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal what? Whether you feel like it or not. Everything God originally intended. How I many of y'all know God originally intended some things in the Garden of Eden? Who screwed it up? Adam and Eve. I mean, I know God originally intended some things for Noah. I mean, I know we screwed that one up too. I mean, I know God originally intended for the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of people that knew how to get into his presence. I mean, I know we screwed that one up too. I mean, I know we were going to keep screwing them up until Jesus showed up. But once Jesus showed up on the scene, he restored everything that we kept screwing up. We kept screwing it up. He shows up and he says, now I'm going to fix it once and for all. And now I've returned you to a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Let's keep going. He says, what for? He says, you're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. How I many of you have been called out of darkness? Yes, you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. What's the point? The point is the original design of God is for us to be a people that knew how to get into his presence. And we messed it up, but Jesus fixed it. So now Jesus wants you to see yourself as now a holy nation. A royal priesthood that's been called out of darkness into light. Why is that important? Because if you don't see yourself that way, then you'll think you don't qualify to get in his presence. But I'm here to tell you, you've got just as much right and clout with God as I do Billy Graham or the Pope. There ain't nobody on this planet that has more right to get in God's presence than you. Because Jesus paid for that right for you. You can't earn it and you didn't do it. But Jesus 
earned it for you. You can go into God's presence. You can access his presence. The Bible says that we're supposed to come to him like a father. So, so our job, I want you to know, first thing is that, that you are a priest. And the second thing is, is your job is just to get in his presence. If you've got to worship God, there's some little uh, blanks right there. The first one is you are a priest. Second one is your job is to get in his presence, but not just get in his presence. God wanted the, 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 the kingdom of priests. He wanted every person on the outside of the kingdom to know that God's presence is there. And God wants you and I not to just be priests and get in his presence. He wants us to show other people. Hey, you don't have to be out there doing that. You don't have to live outside of God's presence. You can know God through Jesus Christ. You can come out of darkness into his light. So your job is his presence. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. As a husband, as a dad, as a wife, as an employee, you're supposed to carry the presence of God everywhere you go. Whenever you show up, people should be happy. Why? Because the presence just walked in. Everywhere you go, it's just like, what is there something about you? I don't know what it is, but there's something about you. say, I'm a priest. Really? <sighs> Where did you attend seminary? Oh, well, at the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, I, I, just, yeah, I just found it in Exodus and then Numbers 1 and found it in Second Peter. It's an amazing thing. You want, it, you want me to tell you about it? Oh, you don't understand the presence of God? You don't know that you can come boldly to the Father by the blood of Jesus? You don't know that you're going to hell? Oh, well, let me help you out. I'm a priest. I've been ordained. I've been christened. He, yeah, the whole thing. He sprinkled me, did everything. He did all of it. Yeah, I'm more than qualified to introduce you to the presence of God. And you say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, I, the whole reason I'm, ta- I'm telling you this is because you have to know. And if you don't know, then you'll go through your life never introducing anybody else to the presence. And you'll never benefit from the presence that he has for you. How many of y'all know that his presence, he's, he's pretty, pretty, pretty good guy. Pretty powerful. Come on, we're talking about somebody that's omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. And the only thing he wants in life is to hang out with you. And we can foster that. We can say, God, I, want, I, I, I see what Jesus did for me. I need your presence in my life. I need your wisdom, your insight, your guidance. I'm ignorant. I mean, I can attest to that. I am, I am, I'm a mess. Listen, without Jesus, without God's presence, I'm just lost. And people come to me wanting counseling. And I'm like, you don't want counseling from me. All I'm going to do is introduce you to his presence. We're going to take a few minutes to get in his word and get in his presence. And once his presence shows up, that's where the counseling's at. Everybody say, I'm a priest. Because I know how to get in his presence. Now, how are you going to get in there? Your tool to get into his presence is praise. Now, here we go again now. Because this is one of these words. The minute I say priest, you already have in your brain what what you think uh, priest means. Because that's a churchy word. Right? But I'm trying to undo some of your churchiness. Right? And I'm trying to replace it with the word of God. 
right? I, I have no intention of just giving you my thoughts or my opinions. No, I'm trying to show you God's original design and bring you to a place where you see yourself. And, and whenever I say the word priest, you don't just think of somebody else. You see yourself as somebody that has access to God's presence. Because I don't care if you're driving your car or taking a shower. If you want to, you can get in God's presence that fast. I don't care where you are. I don't care if things are going good or if things are going horrible. His presence is just, I mean, it's a nanosecond away from flooding your life. Not because you're so good or wonderful. Trust me, you're not, nor am I. But because of Jesus and him alone, we can access God's presence because he made us a priest. So you are a priest, your job in his presence, and your tool is this word praise. Now, whenever I say praise, it, all, it throws things in your brain. And some of you, whenever I say praise, you think, oh, well, I really don't, you know. My, my coach would give me an attaboy whenever I would do good on the football team. So that's what I think praise is. Or whenever I say praise, you think of like handkerchiefs and tambourines and a lady down at the front spinning around at church. Or some of you, whenever I say praise, you think of a Jesus culture concert and everybody, their hands lay, and lay, raised up and they're all praising or whenever I say praise praise you may think of our dear Marlisa down here on the on the the acoustic guitar just a strumming but whatever you some of you may have no thought about praise my wife was raised Episcopalian the first time she started going with me to church she's like well what are we gonna do at this church I was like well the first 15 minutes well we do praise and worship and she's like how many of you ever been there how many of you ever felt that for that what was praise and worship well that's where that's where we sing well why don't they call it singing well, because it's praise and worship, right? I grew up with it called praise and worship. But if you grew up Catholic or didn't grow up in a church or grew up in some other denomination or some other, whenever you hear the word praise and worship, you're like, so what does that mean? And then you got to explain it to him. You're like, well, the first part is the praise. That's maybe got a little more beat to it, right? Right? And, and during that part, anything can happen. Depends on what church you're at, right? You just don't know, baby. I mean, just say, you, know, you almost need a disclaimer. Sign right here sign right here you just don't know what what might happen during this part and then if they've ever been like it like for real like a crazy praise and then, and then after that they're like oh my god <laughs> they'll never forget what praise is after that uh it's seared in their brain forever right maybe you saw it on tv so then you got to explain to them what worship is well worships whenever you get more more reflective and and you allow his presence you know you're trying to explain to them uh, what Listen, I had to do this with my wife. You know, she don't know. She ain't got a clue, man. She's like, you know, if you're, if you're raised certain ways, that word praise doesn't mean anything to you. Never been in church. Whenever. So whenever I say, listen, the way you've got to get into God's presence is through praise. Automatically, some of you just shut down. It's like, I don't do that. I fish. <laughs> right? I'm a dude, right? You know, I ride Harleys. You know, I don't know about, you know, well, well come on. Let's just, let's just brainwash ourselves to the fact of what, what maybe our preconceived ideas are, and let's just take on a new idea of, of uh, let's just make it simple. Uh, praise is, is just is two ingredients, uh, and the first ingredient is just a thankful heart. Second ingredient is just a mouth. How many of y'all got a mouth? Everybody in here has got a mouth. How many of y'all thankful? I'm glad you're not in a penitentiary this morning. How many of y'all know you could have been in the penitentiary? I know several of you. I'm thinking about calling the law after we get out. Just let them know where you are. Just kidding. How many of y'all glad that you're not, that you're not in, in, uh, in the morgue? How many of y'all know we could have been? I don't know about you. I can't speak for everybody, but I could tell you it's a miracle of God that, that I'm not on the cooling table right now. 
You know, it's a miracle of God that, 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 that I'm even here. And, and praise is just taking a, a thankful heart and your mouth, putting the two together. That's all praise is. Praise is just taking a thankful heart and giving expression to it. And the moment you take a thankful heart and you put expression to it, here comes his presence. So simple. And yet we, we mystify it and make it into some big churchy production that has to happen this way and it has to happen here. And it's ridiculous. How I many y'all know in the Old Testament that, 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 that they didn't have all of the things that, that we uh, enjoy and require to praise the Lord in 2014? They didn't have none of that junk. They didn't have electricity. <laughs> and they're killing animals to get into his presence. We don't have to fool with any of that. So, so for you and I to be people that recognize the presence of God and get into his presence where anything can happen, all we got to do is give expression to a thankful heart. I'm going to give you this verse here in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, this is the New Living Translation. It says, therefore, let us offer. Everybody say offer. In other words, God ain't going to make you do it. Just like offering. Like if you're going to give an offering, he ain't going to make you tithe and give you an offering. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. If he was, he would have already done it, right? You would have walked in here and both your legs fell off or something. Now you'll give. No, he ain't going to do that. No, you're going to walk in and out with your legs every time you come here. And I'm certainly not going to chop them off. Uh, you, you're, he, it's an offering. So whenever it comes to whether it's money or your heart or your time or your motive, whatever it is, it's an offering. It's something that you offer. And, uh, you know, the Lord, he told it to me like this, because I'll be real honest, whenever I think about the nation of Israel and them worshiping this golden cow, I think, how ridiculous. They walk through the Red Sea. How many of y'all wish you were there? They're being chased by people that want to kill them. They've been in bondage for 400 years, being beaten, making bricks by hand and building the pyramids. God delivers them from that. They walk through the Red Sea, says, I've got a, a, a Canaan land for you, a land flowing with milk and honey, a promised land. And, and Moses goes up on the mountain to get instructions. He's up there a little bit too long. How many of y'all know sometimes we get impatient with God? They get a little impatient with God in his answer. And they've built now these golden cows. And to me, I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, number one, he's done so much for you. He brought you out of bondage. Number two, what's up with the cow? Why a cow? I don't know about you. Kill the cow. Eat the cow. Let's not worship the cow. What, what good is the cow going to do for you? I mean, y'all know there's still over there many Middle Easterners. You can't, you don't eat cow. We worship the cow. The cow is a sovereign being. Not to me. Listen. I mean, y'all like a fine steak. Yes. Yes. The only worship that I will be participating in is going to be this nine ounce right here. This little... A little thick fillet, oh yes, or a ribeye, oh yeah, prime rib, can I get a witness, yes. So I don't, yes, I'm not interested in worshiping this, this cow. So, you know, I talk to the Lord, I say, that it's just ridiculous, why did you even rescue these people? They're, they're, they obviously don't have a, a, a great amount of sense. And the Lord says, he says, well, you do the same thing all the time. He says, how many times have you let things come before my presence? He says, have you ever let television come before my presence? 
Well, when you put it like that. <laughs> Have you ever let your bed and your pillow come between me and you? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Have you ever let Ben and Jerry's fish food? <laughs> Have you ever had fish food? Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Last Sunday. Babe, pick up some fish food on your way home. She knows I'm talking about. It ain't fish food. It's Ben and Jerry's. Oh, man, Ben and Jerry's fish food. The Lord said, how many times have you ever let, uh, l- let entertainment or food come between you and my presence? So I, I don't know, a, a pretty good bit. And all that means is that, that you're taking uh, something else and you're giving it first place whenever I want first place. The Lord said it to me. He says, I don't mind you having cows. I just don't like it when you make them golden. In other words, all of us have cows, right? We like boats and we like campers and we like ice cream and we, we like all kinds of stuff. I got lots of stuff that I like and, and, you know, I'm not a prude and I don't just like sit at home monk style and, and like rock and, you know, and, and never leave my house. No, I like the Bible says that he gives us freely all things to enjoy. So if there's anything on this planet you've ever enjoyed, he gave it to you. So he don't mind you having cows all over your yard. Just have cows everywhere, but whenever you start uh, making them golden and valuable, you put them before him, then, then that's, where, that's where the problem comes in. And that's why us as husbands or as spouses, that, that we have to set that tone in our home. The most valuable thing in these, this, this little uh, piece of dirt that we own is his presence. Because without him, nothing else matters. The most valuable thing that our time that we have, me as a husband, my responsibility, the most valuable thing for us is his presence to be here. And I have to do my part with the way I talk to my wife, the way I raise my kids, the way I manage my money. Everything has to do with me as a priest creating an atmosphere where his presence can be. Because when his presence is there, there's an open heaven and nothing's impossible. But without his presence, well, then I'm just in bondage again with a bunch of cows that won't amount to a hill of beans at the end of time. Won't amount to nothing. So, our job is to praise. So I want to kind of undo this this praise thing. If you've got your worship guide again there, there's three little things I put there based on this scripture. The scripture, I'll read it to you again. It says, let us therefore offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of what? Praise to God. Proclaiming our what? Allegiance in his name. New King James Version says, Therefore let us continue offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our what? Lips. Fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. So praise is not, it has nothing to do with handkerchiefs or tambourines. Or, or, or it has nothing to do with that. Praise is just a heart of thanksgiving giving expression. Praise is your thankful heart pledging allegiance. Allegiance to who? To Him. Praise is your thankful heart being willing to sacrifice. That's all praise is. So praise is you just saying, God, my allegiance is to you. And I know that there'll be times I'll have to sacrifice and I'm willing to do that because I'm thankful. I mean, y'all know as a husband, there's times you've got to sacrifice some things, right? Your wife wants a new pair of shoes. But you want this, and it's her turn. But yours is on sale. But it's her turn, 
right? So there's times that each one of us, because we're thankful for someone or something, we're, we sacrifice. My kids, yesterday, we're talking, we're asking what y'all want to do uh, for vacation this year. Oh, and they've got a long list. Yes, long list of things that they want to do. So I narrowed their list down for them. Right? These are your options. You want to go to the beach. You want to go to a water park. You want to go to the Neshoba County Fair. You want to go, well, what you want to do. And uh, uh, basically, everything they choose, I have zero a percent of my heart that wants to do that. Do I want to go float down the lazy river of pee? No, I do not. This is how much I want to do that. Did I take them last year and float down that lazy river of pee? Yes, I did. And I felt it all over me all day long. Yes, yes. So I have no, I don't want to do that. There's no part of me that wants to spend my money on that, but I'm thankful for them. So I'm willing to sacrifice that for them. So your praise is just you taking a thankful heart and in every situation you say, God, I'm thankful. How many of y'all remember the story and I have, to, I have to close, I'm not near about done. How many of y'all remember the story of uh, the ten lepers? Ten lepers came to Jesus and uh, they're lepers, right? Jesus says, what you want me to do for you? Uh, a new car. No, Jesus, we want you to heal us of leprosy. Why do you think we're here? We're, we have oozing sores all over us and uh, Jesus heals him Jesus says go show yourself to the priest which means uh, whenever you were healed of some type of contagious disease you had to go present yourself to the priest that priest has to sign off on your healing because you aren't allowed to be around other people because you're contagious so these 10 lepers come to Jesus and they say uh, we want to be healed Jesus says uh, so be it go show yourself to the priest the Bible says as they went they were healed. So on their, you know, three or four day journey to the priest, during that process of time, as they're walking those 10 or 15 or 20 miles, the sores begin to dry up. They begin to vanish. They, so it wasn't an instantaneous healing like lots of times we see Jesus do. No, them one step of faith at a time. I'm sure there were times when they're walking and nothing seemed to be happening. But they kept stepping at the words of Jesus. And over a process of time, as they're approaching the priest, all of a sudden they realize, all ten of them realize that they're totally well again. Well, one of them... Five days away from Jesus, he says, it's worth it to me to turn around and go all the way back to the one who healed me so that I can tell him thank you. So this lone leopard turns around and he walks days back to find Jesus. He comes up to Jesus and all he does is with a thankful heart, he gives expression. And he says, Jesus, I came back to tell you, thank you. How many of y'all remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, where were there not ten? But where are the nine? Ninety percent of you didn't bother coming back with a thankful heart and giving expression. Ten percent came back and, only, and told Jesus, thank you. Jesus said, you may go. Your faith has made you whole. And, and we don't have any record that the other nine stayed whole. But we do know this fella, 
He kept. How did he keep it? Why? Because he just hooked. He just was thankful. He took a grateful heart. He gave expression to it. That's a bad situation. How many of y'all remember Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas are in the middle of the will of God. They're going around preaching to people about Jesus. They're getting whipped, stoned, beat. Now they're in stocks. They're in prison. And they're about to get their heads cut off. But the, they didn't tape their mouth shut. Man, if we could have just taped their mouth shut, we'd have, we'd, have, we'd have had them whipped. No, the jailer didn't tape their mouth shut. So now, in the middle of this dungeon, with their thankful heart, the Bible says if you read it, and I don't have time to really go there, but, but if you read it in, in Luke chapter 17, all of a sudden they begin to praise God. What's that mean? Did they get out a tambourine? I guarantee you they didn't have one. Did they hit play on the split track? No, sir. Their hands and feet are in stocks. The only thing they had was their voice. No light. But they begin to just thank God for what they did have. God, this may be the end. But thank you for the things that we did get to accomplish. Thank you for the people that we did get to reach. Thank you for, for my family that I did get to show and introduce them to you. Thank you that no matter what happens in this outcome, I know I'll have eternal life. I'm going to heaven. No matter what. And they're following Jesus. So that just means whenever you follow Jesus, you may find yourself beat up, bloodied, in stocks with a bunch of people trying to kill you. And yet with a thankful heart, they begin to express that God's presence comes into that jail cell, shakes the foundation of it, the doors open, and they walk out. Same thing happened to Jonah, right? Jonah's in the belly of a fish, and he begins to praise God. Jonah chapter 2, he says, I will sacrifice to you with a voice. Put that up there, Jonah 2.9. I will sacrifice unto you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah's in the, in the belly of a fish. Things don't look very good. What's that mean? The, 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 things don't have to be awesome for you to just be thankful for what you got. Thankful for where you've been, what you've accomplished. And with that heart... That willingness to sacrifice your allegiance pledged to him. As a priest, all of a sudden the presence of God could come into the most horrible situation of your life. His presence can come in into that place. And for Jonah, he was puked out. And I know that doesn't sound good, but if you've been in that fish for three days, it's probably the greatest vomit of your life. You're just like, man, thank God for puke. This is awesome. I made it. In a horrible situation. What's that mean? Listen, listen. This is what I want you to leave with. Number one is you're a priest. You don't need me to do it for you. You don't need anybody else to do it for you. If you want God's presence in your life, in your situation, in the good times and in the bad times. If, if you, as a priest, will begin to do what these scriptures right here said to do. Jonah did it. Paul and Silas. And there's lots of other, lots of other people. The ten lepers that they took. They just begin to thank God. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in my family. Thank you for, what you, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you I'm not locked up. Thank you. Thank you. And whenever you do that, you, the Bible calls that magnifying him. And as you magnify him, everything else gets real small. All your problems, all your concerns, all that junk. Listen, compared to him, it's pretty small, right? How many of y'all think he can take care of it? Listen, before he gets out of bed, he can take care of you and all your problems and your in-laws before you ever... He can do it, trust me. But if you're always magnifying the problem, rather than magnifying him, you never allow his presence 
You never take your place as a priest. And then you go through your life as a whipped Christian. And, and you never introduce anybody else to the presence of God. Because you don't ever have his presence. Why does anybody want what you got? You aren't carrying anything. No, the only way people want what we got is when we carry him. Whenever we carry him, then it opens up the heaven and it opens up the world to us. Last one. Why are we talking about this? Psalms chapter 92. Our whole series is called Flourish. I submit to you, you won't flourish this year or any other year of your life without his presence. You may think you are. You may, be, you may have a whole stockyard full of golden cows. But without his presence in your home, in your marriage, in your kids. Listen, I don't care. Uh, I, I love my kids. They're so good. Me and Noble, I, you know, yesterday he says, let's go for a jog. I said, all right, player. I'm down with your little nine-year-old. You want to go for a jog? Let's go, sucker. We both got our little iPods on. Man, he's fast. About halfway through, I was like, man, my God. Because <laughs> I took him, you know, a couple weeks ago, and, man, I, I ran the snot out of him. He's about to die. And, uh, but man, this time, he's, he's, we've been going now for a few weeks. And, man, he's really gotten good at running, man, for a nine-year-old. He puts on his Lecrae or, you know, some little uh, rapping preacher or somebody. He likes that type of music, you know. And, man, he just, he just run, 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 run. And, and, but I don't care if he became an Olympian at golf or running or swimming or anything else that he, he likes. He's got his mother's competitive streak, very competitive. But I don't care what he attains to. Uh, my job is to introduce him to the presence of God. Because without that, there's not enough trophies in the world that will amount to anything. Listen, people's trophies wind up in the dumpster. That's just the facts. That's where they wind up. They may not wind up there soon, but within five years, most trophies, after you're gone, they're gone too. So I don't, that's not my job as a parent, is for him to flourish in academics or athletics, although I know he will. My job is for him, at me as a priest, is to introduce him. There is a God, the presence of God to help you. All you got to do is, is be thankful unto him, acknowledge him, get in his presence. Anything is possible. Psalms chapter 92, it says, The godly will flourish like palm trees, and they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted in the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts or in the what? presence of our God very clear you want to flourish you'll have to learn how to take your position as a priest and get in his presence outside of his presence there is no flourish even in old age they'll still produce fruit they will remain vital and green even in winter and they will declare here here's the expression of a thankful heart what are they declaring the Lord is just that's the praise right there. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. You want to be a praiser? It don't take a lot. All you got to say is the Lord is just. That could, that could be your, that's, that's your launch off point right there. Whenever times are good, whenever times are bad, say, man, what's happening? Man, the Lord's been just to me. He's my rock. He's been good to me when I didn't deserve it. Here comes the presence. Anything's possible to us. As a believer, I've got a quiz, 11 o'clock. Let's pray together this morning. Let's make this declaration of faith. Everybody say, I'm a priest. I have access to God's presence. His original design was for me to live in his presence and to introduce 
other people to his presence. So that they won't be in bondage like I was in bondage. I thank you for your presence. The fruit of my lips, I give praise. A thankful heart, give an expression to your goodness. In Jesus' name.